I don't need help. I'm not in an abusive relationship. This is just how it is for us. It's a lie we tell ourselves, one that many in abusive relationships repeat until they believe it. But there's hope. Welcome to I'm Not In An Abusive Relationship, a podcast about surviving domestic and sexual violence. This show is about hope. You will hear from survivors of abuse, and their stories may sound familiar. They may even inspire hope. Our goal is to connect with others in these toxic relationships to offer that hope, and with supporters of our mission, anyone willing to help get rid of abuse in our culture. We also talk with the experts in the field, from the officers on the front lines of domestic abuse calls to the therapists and advocates helping survivors navigate this complicated road of recovery. If you're in need of help, please visit our website or call our 24-7 hotline, 800-828-2023. And if this is an emergency and you need help immediately, please call 911. Welcome to I'm Not In An Abusive Relationship. The views expressed by guests on this podcast are not necessarily the views of domestic and sexual abuse services. Welcome to I'm Not In An Abusive Relationship. This is Claudia Pauls, and it is my privilege to host this podcast. And today I'm joined by Elizabeth Alderson, who is a therapist at DASIS. And DASIS, of course, is the Domestic and Sexual Assault Services, Mm -hmm. um, who provide amazing services for our area and are happy to talk with people, I can say worldwide. Can't I say that, Elizabeth? You sure can, (laughs) yeah. I think we have listeners, well, we've had listeners for quite a while all over the world, but I know the... Um, the audience is definitely um, expanding internationally, which is beautiful because we know that intimate partner violence and sexual abuse happen internationally, yes, right? This isn't do. just a, a United States, state of Michigan phenomenon. Some things are, but <laughs> this unfortunately is not. Um, and so today we're going to be talking about how preparing for the holidays, which are soon to be upon us, can be a stressful time for those who are unfortunately part of a domestic violence or an intimate partner violence situation and um, how maybe you can help them with some preparations ahead of time or things to look out for or how to deal with some of the things that will happen simply because of families and gatherings and people getting together. Mm -hmm. Absolutely and I think there's a lot to unpack here. Um, So I think we'll start with people that are maybe still in intimate partner relationships, you know, because that was the primary and still is the focus of um, the work that we do. And even this podcast, right? I'm not Mm -hmm. in an abusive relationship for people to kind of hear, you know, that there is there is healthy relationships out there. And so for survivors who are in the depths of an intimate partner relationship or a domestic violence relationship where there's abuse to know that it's okay that many survivors experience the pressure of keeping their family together for the holidays because the holidays are so important um, especially if children are Mm -hmm. involved in the relationship and so I know that there is an internal struggle of you know I want to report this and I don't want to stay in this relationship it's hurting me it's hurting my kids but then there's that pressure of I want to be able to go to my parents house or to my partner's parents house and celebrate the holidays and so a lot of survivors that I've worked with have, have, have shared that, you know, and sometimes the shame and guilt associated with I stayed 
because I wanted my kids to experience, you know, let's say Christmas with their grandparents. Mm-hmm. And that if I was fighting with my partner or if I had left my partner, I don't know how that would impact my kids. What does it look like to live in a shelter or to live away from a parent during the major holidays of the United States? You know, that makes it so much more difficult to leave, to well, leave during the holidays. W- with part of the family being there, you know, how would my parents or how would they think about me? How mm-hmm. would they be, you know, maybe sad or whatever, but would they be ashamed of me? Would they mm-hmm. think it was my fault or how am I going to mm-hmm. deal with this? Yeah. And for many of us, you know, y- you and I included, right? There are things in our lives that were like, ooh, that wasn't a great decision. Um, am I going to share that with people when I know that there might be some judgment mm-hmm. responded, right? That shame, that guilt, that you're at fault here. And survivors are never at fault, but people often blame them for sure. that. Yes. And and like we've said, you know, we're talking about parents and grandparents of kids, but what about aunts and uncles and cousins who might even less understand the dynamics of what's happening in that re- relationship mm-hmm. or even grandparents of, you know, the the primary partners that are experiencing the abuse so like great grandparents because we know that generationally different generations um have different perceptions of different things and so for a real for a family to be separated and when there are kids involved and so the you know the parents aren't together anymore that can be hugely um upsetting for generations that are that are older you know that believed in the the premise of we stay together no matter what Mm -hmm. happens right and so Yes, there could be so much shame, guilt, um, just fear going to a family event without your spouse right, or right. partner. You know, you know. They, they, my family thinks that we are this nice family unit. I don't mm-hmm. want to disappoint them. I don't want to upset them. So mm-hmm. I'm going to keep this little family unit together and try to make it through the holidays. Yes. And so for survivors that, that are experiencing that, know that that is, that, that is okay that you are doing something to keep your family together, to protect your family and to protect yourself. And that is a survival skill. And there should be no shame or guilt for practicing these behaviors to protect yourself and your family. You know, that that's, that's huge. And that's an important choice that you have to make. And so, you know, we're going to make sure other people don't you know, cast shame and guilt on you for making those choices that are right for you. But then know that there are resources for help. So if if that is your situation, you know, um, to to reach out to family members or friends that might be at these holiday gatherings for support. Again, it it could just be one trusted cousin Mm -hmm. or aunt or uncle or parent that kind of knows a little bit what's going on as much as, you know, a person is comfortable with sharing that can help you not only safety plan for your own safety at family gatherings, uh, because sometimes depending on the family unit, right, there can be alcohol involved. And so Right. Inhibitions are lowered and things can kind of get really scary when that happens. Um, But also like, you know, when someone says something just verbally to me and that's hurtful to have somebody at that house with me to say, you know, to be like, hey, do you want to go for a walk or do you need to go use the bathroom or, you know, to pull you out of that situation can be really helpful. 
Also, if you're traveling to, again, mm-hmm. a family gathering for holidays, to know what are the resources in that place you're gathering. So if my family lives, you know, an hour or two away, say like maybe in the Detroit area, right? Because that's a few hours from right. where we mm-hmm. are in Southwest Michigan. But if my family lives there and I'm traveling there, to know the resources that are in that community. Do I have friends or family members that I could go stay with mm-hmm. if I didn't want to stay with my partner mm-hmm. because things got out of control or, you know, whatever was happening, um, to know the resources for the 800 numbers or the shelters to go to there as well. So not only knowing the resources from where you're from, but what are your resources when you go home or when you travel to a to a family's, you know, kind of location for right, the holidays? Right, and that is great advice. So even if you are not ready to perhaps move on from that abuser, mm-hmm. being able to protect yourself and your your children or your loved ones or even just yourself however Mm -hmm. going into the situation that you are on purpose saying i am making the decision to go to this to go through the holidays with this partner Mm -hmm. but i'm going to protect myself as best i can while Mm -hmm. going into that yeah and so even if it's just you know we're gonna stay at you know aunt carol's house you know and that's and then you are for a little bit and you're like ugh, this is this is too much i just need a night away hey the kids really want to stay at aunt sherry's house because you know she's Mm -hmm. got kids and so you take the kids over there for a night even just that one night might be the break that you need Mm -hmm. to then have the strength to kind of carry on because depending on how big a family is some holiday celebrations are several days long and so you could be at someone's outside of your house celebrating holidays for a week well a transportation plan might be Mm -hmm. good to have in place too especially if you drive several Mm -hmm. hours then how will you know you be able to manage the trip back if something Mm -hmm. happens or being able to keep that person Mm -hmm. calm and Mm-hmm. unabusive on the way back is absolutely also yeah having you know your phones charged at all mm-hmm. times having um we've talked about this before with with safety planning having code words if you do have children with you or if you're traveling if it's just you and your partner and you're traveling you don't have kids um having a code word that you can tell a friend or a family member as they're checking up on you you know text me every half an hour and see how travel is especially because here in michigan holidays also mean in my mind snow right, right. <laughs> and bad weather yeah. you know so hey i want to make sure you are doing a two-hour drive and that would be nothing in the summer when it's mm-hmm. beautiful but that could be horrendous in the middle of winter for michigan and so you know having someone text you every 30 minutes and knowing you know a specific code word or emoji mm-hmm. that you mm-hmm. use to signify like things aren't great you mm-hmm. know we're at this we're at this area you know whatever rest stop mile marker you know right. and maybe they come pick you up they're like oh hey i'm here too drive with me you know who knows i mean it could be elaborate as a plan as you wanted it to be but knowing that you have resources available to not only leave that family situation but that travel back and mm-hmm. forth absolutely well and you've used this word in in many other circumstances but triggers so holidays mm-hmm. are going to have their own mm-hmm. set of triggers and and maybe thinking about those things before they happen, knowing that they're going to happen could make it easier for you to be able to cope with what's going to be going on in those holiday gatherings. Absolutely, because what we've, what we've kind of just talked about is people that are still in the relationship, right? Mm-hmm. And so there's going to be some triggers there. But what about you have recently, since the last holidays, you've left your partner? And again, whether you have kids or not, 
if you've been with someone for six months or a year, but if they were at the last holiday gatherings with you Mm -hmm. and you were going and you were seeing your aunts and your uncles and your cousins and your grandparents and that partner is no longer with you because you've separated, there's going to be a lot of questions, right? And questions aren't always judgment statements, but they can feel like judgment statements, right? Why isn't so-and-so with you anymore? Did you break up? What did you do wrong for them to Mm -hmm. break up with you? They were so sweet and kind when we knew them, right? And that was a judgment statement, right? But even then, (laughs) it can be implied in just like, oh, what happened? Right. Can sometimes mean, what did you do? Right. And some people might ask you specifically, what did you do, right? Nothing. They did this. But you you might not be comfortable telling those people, right? right? Correct. And so knowing that, like, you know, people are going to ask questions or say things that might trigger you. But being with family when a partner used to go to with you to visit that family might be triggering. Not seeing your partner's family that you cared about. Right. Triggering, you know. And then just, I think, too, um, watching TV, you know, any of that social media kind of stuff. When you see couples and they're happy and they're, mm-hmm. um, it's mm-hmm. been popular in the fa- past few years for, like, couples and families to do, like, matching pajamas, you know. So when oh, everyone's sure. selling and they've already started, you know. Oh, do this theme for, mm-hmm. you know, your your Christmas, you know, this and that, whatever. That might break your heart to be like, mm-hmm. oh, I have no one to dress up with, right. right? And so that all of these things could be triggers plus a variety of other things, right? And so if you're working with a therapist or an advocate um, to talk about those things, and then if and if you're not, maybe that's something to do. A lot of people will seek out services before the holidays to prepare for mm-hmm. them and then, you know, end services right after the holidays because they just need that help with the situation, you know, with the season that they're kind of going through. And so absolutely to either problem solve with yourself, with a trusted, you know, professional or with even a friend or family member about, again, those kind of conversations. Is there somebody I can talk to? Mm-hmm. Again, you're at family, friends' houses, they're mm-hmm. saying something, um, and you're like, ooh, okay, how do you get out of there, right? Do you have a friend you can call that'll come pick you up and you guys can, can go somewhere? Or do you have an excuse to then go hang out in the basement? You know, I've got a migraine. I need to go lay in the basement mm-hmm. in the cold and dark, you know? And you tell Grandma Susie, <laughs> you know, right. not to bug you. Right. You know, so, but again, thinking of all those things, because the smallest thing could trigger you, you know? Um could well, be that reminder and the realization too that holidays you know you see the beautiful picture of the the snowflakes and the christmas tree mm-hmm. and everyone smiling and happy and you know dinner's always done on time and nothing mm-hmm. goes wrong mm-hmm. but holidays are the most stressful time of the year as mm-hmm. people are trying to create that storybook mm-hmm. happening absolutely and the more stressed we are the more easily triggered we are because right. our guard is down you know our body has been physically worn out by this thing called stress And so to know I might need more coping skills than previously before, I might be able to go to my parents' house on any weekend and survive their kind of questions. But on the holidays with that added stress, Mm -hmm. I I might not. And so to have your resources, whatever they might be, it might be, you know, um, mindfulness meditation practices, again, that you could go outside and do or go into a quiet room to do, people to call or text that are your support people. It might be um, going and reading a book for a little bit or taking a nap. Um, Mm -hmm. I have a lot of family members that love to get like coffee and go for a walk after Mm -hmm. a meal. And so doing that by yourself, you know, playing with the kids who are non-judgmental and rarely ask you questions, you know, Um, 
you'd be like, oh, I'm going to go play with the little kids right now. You mm-hmm. go build snowmen and then you're mm-hmm. away from the adults for a little sure. bit. You sure. know, all of those kind of things that they're, you know, you can be as creative as you'd like to um, about those resources as well. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, and then the realization that if you are traveling with your abuser, they will be extra stressed with all of the things going on. And so mm-hmm. how can you perhaps um, prevent some of that abuse or, well, I don't know, I'm not sure how to ask this question, but <laughs> being aware of the stress factor that mm-hmm. your partner or abuser may be experiencing mm-hmm. and how can that be handled or maybe circumvented Ab- before things happen. Absolutely. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah, exactly what you're kind of saying. Like, yes, the I know your words, your intention, right? The It's always the abuser's fault, but sometimes um, survivors try to um, elongate that like honeymoon mm-hmm. phase. Right. There's not the tension kind of stuff. Absolutely. And that's where I said, that's where survivors might experience like, Hey, we're going to, we're going to go to that person's family because that's what makes them happy. Right. And we might stay there longer and that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, it's unique to the family, but absolutely. I think that's definitely ex- an experience of survivors that are still in the relationships. How do I make this other person happy so that myself and my children or my family um, don't get their wrath or don't get their abuse, right? Because right? Right. that's oftentimes, that's why survivors feel at fault mm-hmm. for their abuse because they're constantly trying to make the abuse not happen. And so then when it does happen, it does feel very much like, oh, I could have, should have, would have right. done this thing. Right. Yeah. And that can be difficult because who knows what's going to set a person off. I oh, mean, right. you know, and so, yeah, you could do the best you possibly wanted and could and still they're going to act the way they mm-hmm. are. And I think specifically too, um, what we've talked about is all um, domestic violence and intimate partner relationships, but that's only part of what we see. Right. You know, so there's a whole other um, population of sexual abuse survivors, sexual assault survivors, um, and their safety around the holidays. Well, and perhaps people that you hardly ever see, and now all of a sudden you're going to go to this family gathering, and perhaps it was, you know, an uncle, a sibling, a grandparent who had abused you and you hadn't really had to face it before, and how are you going to go in and, and manage to either make the choice that yes you're going to this realizing those triggers are there or is that finally going to be the trigger that will lead to some help and healing Mm -hmm. absolutely i think the biggest help that a lot of survivors experience when they're going to engage in a family gathering where someone who they know is going to be there was their abuser sexually either in their childhood late teen years maybe even adult years um oftentimes as they bring a trusted friend or partner who's not abusive because it's that person who knows and is able to kind of never then you're never alone you know this is my best friend we met at college and you know they got to come home with me for you know the holiday maybe for thanksgiving break you know if they're college students and so they're with you all weekend just like when you're with your family so you're never alone when you go to the bathroom you go to the bathroom with as buddies you know you (laughs) sleep in the same room with them and all those kind of things because if you're not alone right right and again the abuse isn't the survivor's fault However, there are things that we can do to help keep us safe when we know we're going to be around a perpetrator, especially our perpetrator, right? Because you don't have to tell your family. You don't have to tell your friends. You don't even have to tell your friend that's come home with you what happened. You can just say, hey, come with my family and then just be buddy-buddy with them for the whole weekend. Sure. You know? Well, and 
not wanting that perpetrator to realize, oh, well, they came home. It must be okay. They must be wanting to start this up again or however that would play Mm -hmm. out in that person's mind, Mm -hmm. um, being able to stop that before it would ever start. Absolutely, yeah. So that's what a lot of survivors I've worked with have done, have either chosen not to go to family events, Mm -hmm. um, which is also... a sad thing, too, but Mm -hmm. yeah. Or they go to events um, with different people. So sometimes um, we think about, you know, I have a mom and I have a dad, and they both have families that I could go to. And so if it was someone on my dad's side, I might not go to that grandparent's Christmas, but I might go to my mom's side, right? Mm -hmm. So I still get to see some of my family members, but Mm -hmm. I don't go to that big thing. Because like you said, maybe it's like that creepy uncle. I hate to blame. It could Mm -hmm. be the creepy aunt, too. You know, (laughs) we're not biased here. But whoever that person is, but if they're on my dad's side, I might not go to the big thing. Right. Because that's going to where they're going to be. So I might go to my mom's side, but then maybe the next day I will go visit my grandparents because they're by themselves and they weren't my abusers. So I've, I've seen a lot of survivors do that, navigate the holidays and family s- strategically and saying, I'm not going to go to events where this person is, right. but not necessarily black and white. They don't tell anybody I'm not going there because so-and-so is there, but they kind of plan around right. that and so that's a great thing for that survivors is. to do because then they're but to know if i still go to my grandparents house and um there's still that person could be there so what am i going to do if that person's there it could be like oops i forgot something and i have to go home mm-hmm. could be as simple as that being prepared for those kind of things um but to know that there might be pictures of that person mm-hmm. around that house mm-hmm. right and so that could trigger you um if the abuse happened at that house that could be very triggering because oftentimes um, sexual abuse, when it happens inside of families, it happens not necessarily at your house or their house, but the other people's houses, sure. you know. And so to be kind of aware of that, um, you know, and this is all, again, without telling the family what's happened, because that can be very difficult for a survivor to say, hey, this trusted adult or this trusted maybe even cousin, you know, maybe you guys are the same age. Um that everyone's known Mm -hmm. and grown up with just as much as they grew up with me um, has hurt me in ways that I can tell you, but I can't show you, right? right? There's no proof. When cousins are outside on like Thanksgiving and they're having a football game and if somebody tackles somebody hard and you get a black eye, you know, you weren't nice to your little sister or your little cousin and someone gets hurt, right? The four-year-old's trying to play with the high schoolers and, and gets hurt, right? There's proof that they were playing a little rough. How do you Mm -hmm. show that a family member or a friend or a person that was trusted by the family, you know, maybe they're not Mm -hmm. related, but they're Mm -hmm. valued by the family, sexually abused you and there's no Mm -hmm. physical proof because it happened years ago, you know? And so absolutely survivors don't have to share that with their friends and family if they're not comfortable with doing that, but to be prepared, you know for all of those kind of triggers. So similarly, we've talked about intimate partner and domestic violence survivors. Know the resources of the place you're going home, especially college students. I've seen, um, in my experience, a lot of college students, high schoolers, middle schoolers, kind of young kids, experience sexual abuse in the family or by a close, trusted friend. Think about teachers, too. Mm -hmm. You know, it could be any of these kind of Mm -hmm. things. Coaches, they go away to college they recognize that they have new relationships with adults and these adults aren't abusive like the old ones. So that thinking in their head is starting to happen of this wasn't my fault. This is their fault. This isn't normal, right? Cause those are all lies that abusers tell. And so then I come home 
and I see that person, all those kind of triggers are happening. And so what I've seen is a lot of survivors do that, have abuse, go to college, recognize it's not okay, come home, see the person, get triggered all over again. And that's when they reach out for help is when they're home for the holidays. And some, and a lot of times what I've seen is it's Thanksgiving and mm-hmm. they've only been gone for two months mm-hmm. and they're like, oh my gosh, right? Cause they have new adult relationships or it's Christmas or it's spring break or it's the first summer they come back. And so you know, it, it sounds simple, but to know the resources of where you're going home to, because again, in the state of Michigan, there's a provider in every county. It might not be in your town. You know, we serve all of St. Joe County, but we serve all of St. Joe County. So anyone coming home, we would provide services to. Right. Mm-hmm. And even if you're home for a little bit and then you're going back to, let's say, um, Kalamazoo is a large city near us where there are multiple colleges at. And so if someone is a student at a, in a, at a school in Kalamazoo and is coming home to St. Joe County, recognize that abuse has happened, reaches out to DASIS, we're going to provide them services while they're home. But if they want ongoing services when they're going back to school, I've done this with many survivors that were college age. I've hooked them up with community providers where they were going back to because one universities offer support absolutely but also every county has a provider Mm -hmm. just like DASIS Mm -hmm. and so then we can connect with that other therapist or advocate and say hey you know let's talk as the three of us and a lot of people want that they want me to introduce them to the next person so we meet together with COVID stuff we usually meet online and kind of transfer so we all kind of like talk about you know this is my friend and this Mm -hmm. is what they do and that kind of stuff Um, But to transfer those services, that's available. So just that fear of like, I'm going home and I'm going to talk to this person, but they're not going to talk to me Mm -hmm. for a long time. Well, you know, we're also available every time you come home. I had a college student one year. It was for a few years. Every time they came home from summer break, we met for therapy. Oh, that's great. And then they'd go back to college and they'd do their college thing. And they had the therapist at their college. And then when they came home for the summer, because their college therapist couldn't see them, Mm -hmm. then they'd call me. We'd Mm -hmm. meet maybe even just three times that whole summer, you know. But it was that check-in that they needed for therapy of, Mm -hmm. absolutely. And so Mm -hmm. all of those things are kind of available for survivors Mm -hmm. as well, you know. Well, and also going going into that family situation just because you're returning to the family situation doesn't mean the situation has to remain as it was Mm -hmm. when you were being abused Mm -hmm. and and to not let yourself get put in that situation because you are stronger you are making the decision to go back but not making the decision to go back into the abusive situation Yes, yes. Just because you go home, just because you visit the family, does not mean you are consenting to the abuse you experienced. Absolutely. And I think that's huge for survivors to remember. You can go home and and, and say say no. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And to say that that wasn't okay. Right. Absolutely. And still not actually verbalize that. But your going home behavior is not consent for the abuse to continue or to happen again absolutely yep and realizing that is is a huge step in the process of healing and again to know that you know family and holidays are very important for most people and so that's i say reach out for support whether it's friends or family or professional support friends and family um, whether it's agencies like DASIS or um, other thing you know other entities but to, to have a support network and to kind of problem solve those possible triggers. You know, we've talked about a, a lot of possible triggers, but I'm sure there are hundreds more that we haven't even oh, sure. thought about, mm-hmm. you know, in these mm-hmm. moments. And to know that a survivor can process those with any friend, family member, a trusted person or adult in their life, um, but a therapist or advocate, um, that they have resources both 
wherever they're traveling to for the holidays and wherever they call home right now. And as they are protecting themselves and their loved ones to also enjoy those people, you can still feel happy and Mm -hmm. you can make a plan to make sure that you're all protected and that things are going to go forward the way they need to. Absolutely. I think that's huge what you just said, Claudia, that I can experience happiness and and that still and and still be struggling with some mm-hmm. of these like traumatic events absolutely and that doesn't mean that I'm any less of a survivor no it just means you're beginning to take back the parts of your life that perhaps that abuser has stolen from you so absolutely that's, that's huge yeah. mm-hmm. and a good thing the holidays could do for you mm-hmm. so right absolutely great well thank you so much for joining us again today Elizabeth you are always such a fount of knowledge. It's amazing to me, the things I learn from you. (laughs) And once again, if you are experiencing some um, anxiety problems, would like to discuss some things prior to the holidays, please reach out to DASIS. Our 800 number is 800-828-2023 and also online at dasismi.org. Thank you for listening to I'm Not In an Abusive Relationship. If these stories resonate with you and you need help, please visit our website, dasasmi.org. That's dasasmi.org. Or call our hotline at 800-828-2023. We are here to walk alongside you. Now, if you know someone who might benefit from our show, please share it. Social media, email, simply telling someone about it, all help us spread the word and help us to combat domestic and sexual violence. We also welcome financial and volunteer support. That information is on our website. Thank you to the staff, volunteers, and board of directors at Domestic and Sexual Abuse Services. This podcast is produced with the help of a committee of dedicated advocates. Thank you to WBET Radio in Sturgis, Michigan for the use of their studio. This has been a podcast about surviving domestic and sexual violence and a production of Domestic and Sexual Abuse Services of Michigan. The views expressed by guests on this podcast are not necessarily the views of domestic and sexual abuse services.